I... If I can, I would like for you to define for me the word dishonesty. Hmm. Dishonesty. An example yeah. of it or a definition? Uh, let's start with it. Let's start with the definition. Okay. Uh, dishonesty, you know, just loosely speaking here, you know, uh, when an individual uh, misleads uh, another individual uh, for various reasons or various intent and uh, either harm or hurt or foul can occur. Maybe something okay. like that. Yeah, an exa- that, I, that was fantastic. Do you want an example of it? Sure, yeah. If, yeah. The dishonest example that I would think of is when you rip on Lost in Translation and you're really covering up how much you adore that film, but you really just mislead others. And it's to harm that- because others are like, oh, I better not watch it, but it's really a good film. Yeah, I mean, in theory, if that were accurate then that would be an example of it sure sure do you want to know my example of it the example i would use i yeah i think so because i'm assuming that's why you brought it up yeah so the the example i would use is when one person says hey i'm gonna go to a baseball game And so I'm going to, so we can't, we can't record on the night that we normally record on. Um, and the other person says, oh, okay, yeah, cool. That sounds like fun. And then in like a follow-up conversation, like from, you know, so the, so the guy who's at the game mm. is like texting the other guy who's a big baseball fanatic mm. and, and the guy who is quote unquote at home mm-hmm. <coughs> says, yeah. um, says hey w- t- try to like tell me whereabouts you are mm-hmm. and i will see if i can spot you on tv <laughs> and 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 so so far so far this doesn't sound like dishonesty um at all unless unless that second person was also at the game and therefore not able to watch uh, on from tv at all um <laughs> Let me does that does this seem does that seem like an example? Let me peel it back for two 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 things here. One, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Movie Med Podcast. I am Pete, a co-host, a baseball fan, and my co-host Brady is the other person, the other co-host here. Um, we <laughs> we better we better peel. I, I, let me tell the story from my perspective. Let me tell. Let me tell the Please story. Please do. So, so we had a DM going, direct message, as the kids would call it these days, and um, uh, uh, I said, "Hey, Brady, so, you know I can't record on Wednesday." And you said, "You know what? That's that's actually good because I can't record either. I'm going to a Jays game." And um, yeah, to be fair, to be fair, mm-hmm. I neglected to ask you. What why I was you doing. couldn't but i mean right. but but typically right. like uh, uh, the, and the reason i didn't listen the reason i didn't was not because i didn't care for sure it wasn't like a you know uh, whatever go screw yourself it was because <laughs> you don't you, like in my mind i was like okay well he doesn't need to justify himself right. if he can't do it he wednesday do it. then he can't do it wednesday right. 
in, I'm not putting yeah. words in your mouth, but you weren't like trying to pressure me or make me feel like awkward. No, for, I wasn't like, like, well, like oh, a reason come on. Why. It was just like, yeah, yeah don't, don't, don't be a bitch. Just, just <laughs> record with me. Like, what do you, you No, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that works because actually, and I'd forgot to bring it up, but I was like, yeah, yeah actually me, I, me too. I can't. So, so just the long story short here is I looked at this phone of mine with this message and I went, no, no kidding. Brady's going to a Jace game. So am I. Mm-hmm. And I was mid-texting you like, hey, that's crazy. I'm going. That's why I can't go to the game. can't record that night as well. And then my my wife, who you know, who a lot of people know. Yes. And, who, um, who shall henceforth be referred to as the mistress of deceit. Yes. Yep. Go on. <laughs> Maybe rightfully so. She said, why don't you just punk? You should punk his ass. She didn't say that, but that's the, the street definition. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. I like this. I like this a lot. So I went delete, delete, delete for what I was going to say. And then over the next couple days, I just strung it up and I was like, oh, Brady, you know you know how big of a baseball fan I am. I'm going to be looking yeah. out for you the whole game. Like, I'll, I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to get the kids in front of the TV. We're going to scour the whole screen. And you tell me you tell yeah. me where your seats are. You send me pictures of, like, what landmarks you're behind. Because I'm, I'm going to see you. I just got to, like, I, I, I feel like God's talking to me. And you, uh, you're going to be on TV. I can just tell it. Yeah, you and bought you bought the 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 seventy five inch four K screen so that you could really <laughs> really hone in. get up close and yeah find the pixels and so so I I get to the game late later than you and uh, get I get the usher's permission I I go up a couple stairways I I, I get in to your section where you were seated and I go about three or four rows back sit in my chair. And I'm I'm starting to message you again just to kind of lead lead up the the game here, and every time you turn to like the people you were sitting with, like left or right, and like you're not turning around, you were just turning left or right. I became paranoid. Like I'm, I'm like swan diving. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gonna see me out of his peripheral vision. And I was starting to message you like with a picture of the back of your head and like, hey, you know, you're I think you're on TV. I think I see you. So I'm like, I'm getting these messages lined up, and then an usher comes up to me. A, a, an older man and he he really starts to heckle me like he's like let me see your ticket what are you doing here you have been here the last three innings and i was like buddy it's like an empty section like there's no one in these seats like i was by myself what's it to you like i'm not drunk and belligerent here and anyway i was paranoid that this guy was gonna blow my cover and you were gonna turn around and see me getting dragged out by an usher and the whole thing would have gone awry. But lo and behold, uh, it, it ended up with you turning around and I was behind you. And uh, I, I punked you. I did. You sure did. And you know what? I, listen. <laughs> may this, may this eat away at your conscience. What? I was so, like, because I was messaging you the whole game leading whole up game. to this whole game yeah. and then i pretty much stopped messaging you after that because i was like screw this guy like <laughs> you know he's got better seats than me anyways he doesn't need me messaging him so but no listen but i was like because i didn't because i don't know how it works right mm-hmm. i don't know right if because obviously the the game is happening the same like the game is on tv the same time it's happening but of i didn't course. know if there's like a 60 second delay right or a couple minute delay or how that works right yeah i didn't know if it was like 
exactly live. So yes. as it's happening, as I'm like messaging you things, <laughs> I am intentionally waiting a couple of minutes <laughs> after something happens. <laughs> Just in case I send you a message, it's like, whoa, what a home run. And you're at home and it hasn't happened. That's so considerate. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going so far out of my way to like be spoiler free. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've caught three foul balls at this point. (laughs) And I think the funniest punk of them all, or the funniest part of it all, I should say, is you went and you updated our Instagram account saying, hey, one of the movie men is at this baseball game and I bet it's not who you think it is. And I I felt like commenting being like, LOL, <laughs> but I didn't. Did you, did you see that while you were at the game? I did not. I did not. That would have been no, okay. funnily timed, though, like just trolling that. Yeah. Mm. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the Dishonesty Special. Starring yeah. myself and Brady. No, welcome to the Movie Men podcast. Uh, we are doing a voting episode where we posted a bunch of votes as we do. That is our mojo. And uh, we're going back in time. This was another 1994 vote with four different options. And uh, we had a pretty strong following or a pretty strong uh, f- recommendation from our Patreon constituency who, who helped with some of the options. So we had, uh, I believe... Was Forrest Gump uh, Patreon? Yep. I think one of the Patreons. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, Forrest Gump was definitely on your list, but it was also a Patreon supporter list. Uh, Page Master was definitely a Patreon supporter film by Adam. So shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Patreon supporter Adam. Page Master was an idea of his. Speed was an idea of uh, Andrew's. And the mask, I think, was just genuinely yours. I think that was just uh, right. one that you Yeah, so the page master was also mine. Like, yes. there was a crossover there. Yeah. And and uh, so, yeah, we had the four. We had page master, speed, the mask, and Forrest Gump. And I have to I have to be honest. I am genuinely delighted Forrest Gump didn't win. Not that I don't like Forrest Gump. I mean, who doesn't love an iconic film and who doesn't like Tom Hanks? But it's a good film. I just... I think I would have struggled with things to talk about because my general memory of the film is like, yes, it's good, but it's not, I don't know if it's as good as people really go on about. I I think it's good and, and maybe it is as good as people go on about, but I'm also genuinely glad it didn't win. And because like, so two things about the, the results shocked me. One being that Forrest Gump didn't win. I was sure mm. it would because it's just like, you know, it's Gump. the go-to. Yeah, out of those four, it's kind of the go-to. Mm-hmm. I figured it'd be Forrest Gump, and then it was like a toss-up between Speed and The Mask, and that mm. Page Master would come in dead last. Um, right. And I'm glad it didn't win, just because, you know, like, I'm sure we could find things to talk about, but it's sure. also just like, I don't, I don't know. It was just like, had it won, it would have been like, okay, great. Two more idiots on the internet talking about a movie that everybody else has talked about. Right. I'm like, it just didn't, it didn't interest me to right. do. Yeah. Um, so that's, so I'm, I'm, yeah. So, so that surprised me. The other thing that surprised me then was that Page Master won because it is 
uh, I'll let the cat out of the bag. It is a childhood favorite of mine mm. that we, for some reason or another, I was talking last night to my mom about this. We didn't own this movie. It oh, was one of my favorites and we didn't own it. So it was kind of one of those, like maybe you'd rent it. Maybe you were at someone's house and they had it. Mm. Um, and if those things happen, it was so special because yeah, like it was one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't own it. But it, my impression of The Page Master has always been that it is a movie that not many people know about or not a lot of people have seen. Mm. That it's kind of this like grossly underrated, amazing classic. Um, so I was shocked. I was shocked that it won and won by a landslide. Well, I was just going to say, so, yeah, it wasn't close. Like it, it doubled the the volume of uh, over doubled the volume of the next best vote which was speed of the runner-up yeah so i am uh, i am shocked and enthralled at the mm -hmm. same time interesting yeah. piece of movie man trivia here um we almost reviewed page master in uh, one of our episodes it probably between somewhere like episode three and episode 10 somewhere in that range before we had our process of votes uh, patent or ironed out there uh but it it was uh it was down to this movie and uh a couple others and i think we eventually went with the lego movie and uh instead and and since then like over three years ago this kind of concept of this film and who's in it and what it's about has lived in infamy and so it, it was kind of full circle to finally watch it and see what it was about and see what uh yeah what what it, what all it was doing I have no recollection of that, so I am amazed. <laughs> I am amazed that you're... I have... Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. I remember so many things. I remember what you were wearing on the 4th of July back in 1994. Yeah. Probably, you know, as a Canadian, <laughs> just everyday clothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. How'd you know? As a... As a as a two-year-old Canadian in 1994, <laughs> probably whatever the hell my parents put me in. I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have trivia, sir? I don't, actually, for this week. I do not have trivia, so we'll we'll just get right into womp, womp. it. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, womp, Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, so, initial impressions. Um, listen, as I said, I love this movie. <laughs> like, I loved it as a kid. I was a little scared to review it. And, and I think, I think I got some of your Lord of the Rings bug uh, where, yes. where it was like, man, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, which wasn't true for you of Lord of the Rings, but, but I was afraid of like, what if it doesn't hold up Yes, and watching it analytically? Like, what if I watch this with the intent of reviewing it and then I have to say a bunch of bad things about it? Um, yeah. or what if Pete doesn't like it? And then I have to like sit there and try to defend it. And then often like, you know, if I'm, if it's a movie that I love and, and Pete doesn't like it, then really it's going to come down to like the mood that I'm in and how much energy I have before it just like <laughs> conceding and being like how much of a fight I'm going to put up. And so, yeah. yeah, I was I was nervous, but I love this movie. I think it's so good. It has a stunning cast. Um, one person in particular who I want to talk about. Um, and 
and yeah, visuals, story, the morals, the actors, the music, like it is just, it is just so, so good. Hmm. What is your initial impression? My initial impression, uh, this was a tale of two different films for me. Uh, the first third of the film, I actually found like incredibly unwatchable for me. I just felt it was way too heavy handed and I was just not interested, you know, just as an example, like with Macaulay Culkin, with his like decked out bicycle to embody some of his personal character issues that he had going on. Like, you know, just some things kind of slapped me hard in the face and I went, okay, I get it. Let's move on. However, this, the, the last two thirds of the film. So the majority of the film, I actually warmed up to quite a bit. And uh, I, I, that's not to say it's without flaw. You know, I felt that some ways it was a little bit hollow and untapped potential. So I think there's maybe some things that it fell short for me. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I did enjoy some things about it. I think my initial impression would just be for the star power that's involved in this. You know, you've got Whoopi Goldberg. You've got Macaulay Culkin. You've got Christopher Lloyd. I just wonder if in their, like, highly um cartoonist cartoon films some of that star power isn't always appreciated and i just think for me specifically for macaulay culkin and christopher lloyd this is probably like their lower works for me like their least favorite works for me um just i i think i was maybe expecting a bit more out of them but um yeah generally generally uh this movie did a 180 i guess would be my initial impression i it started off bad and then it turned out to be not too bad Interesting. Um, so could, let's talk about cast right away then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Macaulay Culkin in this is, I think he's, because of when it came out, I think he's the obvious choice if you're a casting, mm. like you're, you know, yep. the casting director. Oh, yeah. Um, but performance-wise, yeah, I think it, you know, it could have been any kid. Um and it, it really wouldn't have impacted it. Like, I don't think it, I don't think the film benefits quality wise from it being Macaulay Culkin. Um, I disagree with the Christopher Lloyd thing. Like certainly it's not, it's not a huge role for him. Um, but particularly the live action sequences, I like, he's just so animated. <laughs> he is. Even when he's live action, <laughs> he's like, his his expressions and his voice and those crazy cue ball wide eyes of his and like <laughs> I yeah no I I eat up every second that that live action Christopher Lloyd is on the screen in this movie I I guess I won't argue with that part of it like a Macaulay Culkin I could have taken it or leaving it um but I guess I'm just yeah, I don't know what the answer is then, because I feel like Christopher Lloyd really, like, other he had probably had, what, two minutes of screen time? And that's including the cartoon component, because really in the cartoon component, he had the occasional, like, voiceover where it'd be like, you know, listen to the books. So, like, I'm arguing, right. or I'm agreeing that, yeah, like, when he's there, it's magical, and I can't deny and, that. And, yeah, but, and when he's there as the page master, like, he's got that yeah. ending... Yeah, but like, scene. I I feel like yes, that's incredible. But like, if you had clocked that out, that's probably like two minutes of the screen time, and I'm not sure how you change that. It's in not the, a lot. In the, 
I'm not sure how you change that in the context of how this movie is. Like it's a it's a cartoon movie, so I'm not sure what the answer is. But I just know that this isn't the answer. Okay, all right, that's fair. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yep. Yeah. I think this is like you could not get a better casting for that character. Like that that character through and through the attitude, the sass. Like that was Whoopi Goldberg. She's the lifeblood of the story, basically when it starts to be a cartoon to the very end of the film. I think without her personality, I think the the film does lose a jive, does lose a energy level. I think it would have been a lot slower. So is she your favorite of the three books? Uh, yeah, I feel like the Jekyll and Hyde one is a real distant third place. The horror? Yeah. yeah, and then the action pirate and Whoopi Goldberg's, uh, is it, mis- no, not mystery. Um, so there's fantasy? fantasy. Fantasy. Horror and adventure. Yeah, I feel horror and adventure are um, are definitely, are uh, would be kind of co-favorites, and they feed off each other, you know, just with things like, hey, do Interesting. cuddle up to a good book? You know, they've got like a bit of chemistry and a bit of a vibe going. Yeah, so for me, adventure is the, is the top book. That's that's my oh, okay. favorite one. Yep. And here's a question for you: mm. If I so let's say you know you haven't seen the movie, you haven't seen the opening credits, right? You haven't seen the 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 billing of of actors. If I were to assemble a five minute audio monot- montage, an MP3 of a bunch of adventures lines and i i gave you a hundred guesses a hundred guesses for you to tell me what voice actor that is for for action for adventure yeah adventure sorry the pirate yeah how many guesses into a hundred guesses before you come back with sir patrick stewart Oh crap! I forgot he was in this. I remember seeing right, that, and I just remembered exactly. right now when you said it. Oh my gosh! Exactly. Oh yeah, fruit. I could give you five hundred guesses. Yeah, and the only reason you would ever come across Patrick Stewart is because now you've pulled up a Wikipedia page of actors, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, I know it's not him, but <laughs> I, I don't know who else to guess anymore." <laughs> yeah, right. He is unrecognizable. Yeah. Yes. And, and mm. you know, part of me was like, why? Why do that? Why get Sir Patrick Stewart and then not use Sir Patrick Stewart's voice, like, mm-hmm. his, you know, his iconic native voice? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no, man, like, this is just like, what a, it, it gives me a whole new appreciation for someone like Sir Patrick Stewart mm. going like, man, you are you are a chameleon with yep. your voice. Like yep. that is incredible to, to to compare that with Professor Charles Xavier or, you know, yeah. Picard. It's just it's yeah, it's night and day different and I was like that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um I I also like horror. Horror would be second for me and fantasy would be third. Okay. Um, but I think they all have a great chemistry and they all play off each other. They do. Right? They, they all do. have this fun kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, and the puns in this, like the dialogue in this movie, mm-hmm. the the book puns. Yeah. 
Sure. Right? Like at one point when they're first, when fantasy and adventure first meet each other, I think adventure calls her like an, an overdue hag or something, right? Just stuff like overdue <laughs> and, and, you know, like it, it's just, I don't know. I find the dialogue in this is so well crafted. There's a lot of things thrown around, you know, say someone throws an insult or throws something physically, you know, some type of attack and they'll say, you're lucky I've got a strong spine and I can. Yeah. Even books. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Books aren't the only ones with spines and stuff like that. Just like different things that are funny and witty. So, yeah, it's so fun. Mm. Um, But for me, yeah, like right from the, right from the opening sequence, right. Mm. So you've got James Horner, doing the music oh interesting um, yes i missed yeah. that okay yeah big big like this is a for an hour and 15 long minute movie yeah it is like it they pulled all the stops man they pulled all the stops <laughs> yeah. and so but yeah even the opening sequence with like the clouds you get sort of these teases of like a pirate ship and mm. dr jekyll and mr hyde and 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 dragons and all of this stuff like I don't know. It just it it just eats me up, man. Eats hmm. me up in a good way. Sucks yeah. me in. Yeah. Choose me up. Choose me up. That seems negative. That Anyways, seems you know it, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I have a question for you though. Yeah. How does a kid get like this? This statistic obsessed hypochondriac. He's what ten years old. How? Is is there any realism in that? Do you think? Like, how does a ten year old get like this? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. It, I think that's a million dollar question, right? You know, is it the way he was raised? Is it part of his personality? Did something traumatic happen to him? You know, did he fall out of a friend's treehouse and he has this undying fear for things that he can't control? I mean, yeah. I don't know what the answer to this. Uh, part of me wonders about the parenting. I mean, what the hell kind of father sends his kid to a hardware store that's clearly in another county and he has to go cross country during this thunderstorm to get like a bucket of nuts or bolts or something? I yeah, mean, like, do they not have the weather network or? <laughs> well, I mean, do they not have a car to go together? Like, I don't, I don't understand about like take it with baby well, steps. If your son is having troubles kind of getting out and doing things. Start by doing things together and like go to the store together and say, hey, son, go to this next aisle without me and and do this. And let's, you know, let's do one step at a time here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so that is a flaw of the movie is that the the kid needs his coming of age. He needs Mm -hmm. his his overcoming adversity and facing his fears. Um, But the father's approach is out to lunch and there's no there's no redemption for the father yeah seems a little negative right like his parent is his parenting approach is wrong yeah and he doesn't learn anything they just come home after looking for their lost child (laughs) and is pleased to see that now his kid is sleeping in the you know (laughs) there's no like oh let's fetch him a let's fetch him a pillow the father's like no let this well, little think, prick sleep on the plywood tonight. He, he, and I think the point you're making—the <laughs> point you're making—is a good one, right? Like, 
the steps, actions, and decisions that have led to the son having these issues aren't being haven't changed. So potentially we could see history repeating itself if the dad is doing the same things in, as far as child raising, right? Like he hasn't learned anything. I mean, yeah, uh, potentially. But I mean, once you have cut your way out of the belly of a dragon, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I don't know that there's ever any going back. But <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I have a couple issues, and I'll bring them up here because it's about it's related to lessons learned and whatnot. So. I'm I'm curious what lesson we're supposed to learn, and by extension, like Macaulay Culkin and and us, you know, the audience and him are kind of connected to a degree. So, what lessons are we to learn and he to learn, kind of together? Because uh, I'm just curious where this narrative story narrative comes from for the importance of written word. Because I mean, we have a kid who 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 isn't shy from reading. Like, I mean, he, he reads statistics, he reads medical journals. So I just, I'm just curious, what, like, is it just that he needs to just be more a kid and, and stick with, like, things that are enriching his imagination? Is that the lesson we're supposed to learn from this, like, the whole respect the words or, you know, this whole narrative that went throughout the whole library sequence? I mean, I would say that's probably part of it. Um but I mean, there's also, so obviously there's overcome adversity, mm-hmm. uh, face the things that frighten you. Um, when it comes to things like the horror book, they mm-hmm. even say right in it, you can't judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. right? The most horrifying, ugly, scary looking things can be the sweetest, most gentle, caring things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say that those are sort of the four, right? Overcome adversities, face the things that frighten you, you can't judge a book by its cover, and be a kid, right? It, it don't, don't spend life worrying about what might go wrong, because if you do, life will pass you by. If, 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 you, if you spend your whole life preserving life, you'll you'll end up not living. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think just part of me is there's a bit of a disconnect between like, how did he learn these lessons versus just how did he get out of the library? Like what if this is repeatable? Like, you know, he's got developed some courage to to do the things that he had to do to get out of the library. But that was with the help of these three friends telling him what to do or, you know, like, really relying heavily on these things of pushing him. So it wasn't necessarily that he was backed into a corner and he found it out himself. Like it was these things helping him or pushing him along. So like, I'm just curious at what point did he actually learn or what point did he actually grow? At what point, like, is this actually going to change? Cause like partway through the film, we get this extra curveball thrown in that he has no friends. Like he, something about, I think it's when the other books temporarily go missing. He says, you know, these were my only friends or some such. So like he's got all these big long-term implicated like issues going on. And so I'm just wondering like how much of this is actually him changing versus his friends helping him along. And now that they're not going to be with him is, you know, is history going to repeat itself? Yeah. I mean, so he, I mean, he's obviously going to go check those books out regularly. Mm. Um, 
obviously he's changed because I mean, on the way home, he takes his bike off over that ramp. Mm. Um, and he gets home and he, he climbs the treehouse and he sleeps in the treehouse. Um, but I, as far as like, so, you know, just, just facing things and realizing that, you know, that there's not always something to be afraid of, I think has just been this big eye opening thing for him. Mm. As far as not having any friends, I think that this is like for, you know, right or wrong. I think that's because it's the mid nineties and he's lame. Mm. Right? right like we've already seen we've already seen that the kids in this town are dicks um <laughs> towards him because he because he's lame yeah right and and you know when you're a kid like there's something about being an adult and and seeing friendships differently seeing people differently mm. um yep. not judging books by their cover mm-hmm. and and getting to know someone and be someone's friend for who they are on the inside and the things that make them them. Sure. Um, now when you're 10, mm. now when you're 10, if someone's lame, yeah, they don't have any friends like that's, you know, and it's, it's not right. No, but, but it is, it's kind of factual. Yeah. Right. If you're 10 years old and you're kind of a loser, like legitimately, a lo- you know, like you mm-hmm. dress funny and you act funny and you're afraid of everything. Mm-hmm you're not going to have any friends. Like that's right. just, it's just the, the reality of what it's like to be a kid, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to think that maybe as the other aspects of his life have changed and he's coming out of all of these fears that he has, hmm. um, maybe the whole friend thing will, you know, he won't be seen as such a dweeb and maybe in the long run, he will gain some friends for it. Okay. Yeah. Potentially. We hope. And maybe it's dead. Yeah, we'll I mean, just... how many, again, we're talking like friends, right? Yeah. Like, it all depends on your definition of a friend. Because if a friend is just someone you hang out with, then yes, he will. He, people will start hanging out with him and, and, and tolerating his presence because he's not such a loser anymore. Um, if a friend is someone who's there for you through thick and thin mm-hmm. and and doesn't care what's on the outside and and all of this stuff like i don't know how many 10 year olds actually have friends right right have a real friend or you know like i don't know i think back to like being a kid and i'm like yeah there were lots of people i hung out with Mm -hmm. and friends you know air quotes friends best friends people uh, you know through the summer sleepovers at their place and my place and video games and all this stuff but like i don't know if shit hit the fan, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that we'd be there f- for each other, right? You just yeah. as soon throw the other one under the bus so that you didn't get in trouble yourself. Like, you know, so friends, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Sure. You know, friendship as a kid and friendship as as an adult mm-hmm. are... Uh, Two different big Two different animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think... Yeah. And this is a big question mark. Sure. And I think an argument can be made for it. So obviously, okay, wait. So obviously, can we both agree that this was not a dream that he had because he was unconscious? That 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 there is magic at work here and that this actually happened? 
I'm not convinced to agree to that, but I, I will agree to it just for the sake of this argument. So I think there's three reasons why you have to believe that it's true. One is because pre-going on this adventure and post-going on this adventure, his library card are in much different conditions. True. His brand so. new library card is all weathered and dirty and mm. roughed up from his adventure. Mm-hmm. Two, the look that Christopher Lloyd gives as the kid is leaving <laughs> implies that he is the page master, that right. he's behind, that he's not just some regular librarian. Mm-hmm. And three, I mean, at the end of the film, as as he goes to sleep, as Macaulay Culkin's sleeping, mm-hmm. our three book characters come back to life again. Sure, sure. In their animated form. I mean, do you point, think... To point two, I think a lot of librarians are eccentric, but that's besides the point. Sure. Do you think that the librarian is meant to be some f- sort of version of God? Some divine being who does all this, right? Or a wizard or some, you know, like a wizard seems a little more hokey. Um, But someone who is stepping in, is intervening in this kid's life, is sending him on the journey that he needs to go on to overcome what he needs to overcome. Um, It's just like it seems to... It, it just fits really well for me mm-hmm. that that would be the case. That Christopher Lloyd is God and that, you know, especially maybe for the, like at the start of the film, but definitely at the end of the film, I get those vibes. The mm-hmm. look that he gives them, the whole, yep. you know, I have a knack for knowing what people need yeah. just this once, right? And like, mm-hmm. because he knows there's no way First of all, there was no way the librarian was was bluffing, was was screwing with him when he told him that he could only take two books. Because the librarian, who is also the page master, is very much aware of the adventure that this kid just went on. And the reason I think that is because the librarian, see, unlike the Wizard of Oz, where the Wizard of Oz was a dream. Right, mm. she wakes up, and the reason we know it was a dream is because there is a real life counterpart for everyone she met in Oz. Mm. Right, the 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 scarecrow and and the Tin Man and the lion, they're all like her uncles, and the witch is the nasty neighbor lady, and the fortune teller is the wizard, and so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd is the only carryover. Hmm. Right? There is no real-world version of adventure, horror, and fantasy. Not that we see. No. No. And so Hmm. that's why I think that it is real. It did happen. And the librarian is the page master and was pulling the strings behind this whole thing, which, you know, either then he's just like a wonderful sorcerer (laughs) who's doing this kid a huge favor, or this is some sort of divine, Mm -hmm. right, would also explain the storm 
yeah. would also explain, you know, like he didn't, the kid, there's no way he ended up in that library by accident. Mm-hmm. Right? Christopher Lloyd, when he sends him to the back, like, you know, is a 10-year-old kid. He's a 10-year-old kid who's come into the library because of a storm. And I, I watched for it because I was like, oh, I bet you there is. And there is. When the camera pans up, kind of goes on this, like, crane and hoists over the librarian counter, as Christopher Lloyd is saying, go through this, Im- like, beautiful mm. library, by the way. Oh, yeah. But go through this maze of a library to the very back so that you can use the public phone. Mm. He's got a damn phone on the desk. And sure, maybe if it's like a 40-year-old drifter, you're like, ah, you're not, like, just go find, go use the phone. It's a scared 10-year-old kid. If you're not sending him back there so that this adventure can happen, then, then you would just let him use the phone Mm -hmm. that's right there. Sure. What's your, do you know your number? Sure. Here you go. But no, because he had to send this kid on this adventure. Mm-hmm. I rest my case. Yeah, that's fair. Cross-examination. It's definitely an, uh, a debate or, or a journey of discovery I was not planning on going on, but that's very interesting. Yeah. I don't think I have any other notes. Do you? Cool. No, no. I think uh, I think I would just say some of the... Uh, the cartoon aspects aged well for me. Some of the live action CGI sequences dip, they were a little hokey, a little corny for me. Um, but but nineteen ninety four, yeah, I thought they were impressive for ninety four. I guess, but they didn't hold up. Well, no, but I'm not saying that. I don't know if I said they weren't impressive, but I, I, I guess I'm what I'm reaffirming. I'm saying is they don't hold up. That's um, fair. But that aside, everything I've brought up has been an issue. I will just say, just a wide, like a wide sweeping appreciation. I did I, the thing I warmed up to. I think was some of the literary references, um, just for those adventure sequences. So like the the mansion, the boat, the you know the castle. You know, like everything did kind of turn into a fun sequence. So um, those and Moby Dick. I didn't even mention that. So you know, all these literary references I thought were just witty and kind of fun. And definitely not what I was expecting. So though th- that was fun. That was fun. This movie's also the source as a child of me discovering, like knowing what most of these things were. Mm. It's probably the first time I ever heard of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde That's or fun. Moby Dick. I mean, it is or a long John Silver. It is a weird paradox of like a film trying to tell the main character and thereby extension the audience to read more like it's a weird kind of like all right don't get too preachy on me now come on yeah yeah (laughs) cool yeah scale of zero to ten sir how would you rank the page master this sounds a bit harsh and you know maybe i formed up to it a bit since i ranked it here we go i gave it a four out of ten i gave it a four oh for the love of I think the first third dragged it down a little bit for me. So, you know, maybe if the first third hadn't been as bad, I probably would have given it a five, a midway, you know, not bad, not great. So it it got dragged down a little bit, but it was definitely an interesting thing. And, you know, I've definitely, as much as I think there was a missed opportunity as far as some of the lessons that I felt Macaulay Culkin could have learned, I felt like there could have been more oomph to it. And I feel mm-hmm. like I talked about this, the Christopher Lloyd aspect was a missed opportunity. 
I, I don't have an issue with anything of his on screen. You're right. It was magical. I just wish it was more than two minutes and like a couple, you know, cartoon sequences. That's the only thing. Because you're right. Uh, every, you're, everything he was in was great. Every moment. You're a Christopher Lloyd glutton. <laughs> sometimes enough is, sometimes just enough is better than too much, I guess, is what you're trying to say. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, what cool. did you give it out of 10? Man, I give it an eight. That's I give it an eight. And, and I mean, you, some, you sh- some of that's going to be nostalgia. But it's still respectable that it held up after after watching as an adult. It did. I enjoyed it. I enjoy the runtime. I think it's short. It's approachable. It's got some fun lessons. It's It's just got fun adventure. Like, it's just got so many different set changes that you're... It, it never gets stale. It's never mundane, right? There's always, you're quickly, like the pacing is, is breakneck, right? You're always swept mm-hmm. under the next, next scene. So, yeah, cool. I will say cool. the Rotten Tomatoes is, is harsh. Like it's got a harsh score, but it, to the movie's credit, I do agree. Like, it's nice that they don't extend it for the sake of saying, okay, this is what the formula is for a movie. So we have to add a, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, Miami Vice boat chase in here somewhere just to kind of lengthen it out. You know, like it is what it is. They did what they wanted to do and they were comfortable with the length that they had. So I will say that as a compliment to the film. 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not friendly. It's not. And a 48 for the audience. What the hell? <sighs> yeah. I mean, the, the tomato meter score only has 19 reviews. Okay, so it's a small sample size. Small. And you know what? 48, listen. That means that half the people that watch this like it. There's still a 50-50% chance, basically, mm-hmm. that this movie's for you. I guess. Like, I mean, it's not a great number, but you're spinning it as like a... Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, try. you gotta see the the silver lining. Yeah, you you gotta try. Listen, <laughs> I have not a lot, but I have mm. some movie news. Cool. Um, and the reason I don't have a lot is because it's been two and a half months since oh, I've done Lord. movie news. Yeah. And so, if I were to sit and talk about <laughs> all of the movie news, yeah, we would uh, we'd be here a long time. So yeah. I'm just gonna brush on some of the things that have come up in like the last week and a half. Sure. Um, first things first. So Fantastic Four, the, the MCU movie that we're all just, we're just waiting for. We want to know when it's coming. We want to know who's in it. We want to know who our, our cast is going to be. Uh, and we don't have any of that information yet, but we, it has finally been told to us who the writers are. Hmm. And it's not so much who the writers are that are interesting. It's the fact that not only are these the writers that are working on Fantastic Four, but they are also in production on Fantastic Four 2 and 3. Oh, I didn't realize James Cameron was uh, involved with this. (laughs) Right? So, apparently... (laughs) Kevin Feige, whoever he's gotten as the writers, is not only has confidence in them to pull this off, um, mm-hmm. but has is is working hand in hand with them in the process of of fleshing out 
the the Fantastic Four franchise, basically. Huh. Interesting. What is your What is your temperature level on Fantastic Four? Uh you know what you, you not not well versed was had my toes dipped into it with the MCU film Doctor Strange two, and uh, uh, that would be the extent of it. Really? Like you didn't even see the old Fantastic Four movies? No, no, no. I didn't get into it that well. You're not missing much. Yeah, I'm not. No. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um. So listen, we need to return to something that was kind of almost a recurring segment on this show. If it's what I think it is, it's about dang time. I want to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Yes, you do. So listen, you made what I would say was a very bold claim. Sure. In that you thought the Top Gun Maverick could crack the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you no way, but I was pretty skeptical you were yeah you weren't patting me on the back saying that's a good guess yeah do you know where it currently sits i am googling it and i am pleased it's moved up one notch since i last looked wait where was it so i looked last night okay when i looked on the list i used it was 12th okay yeah so it is 11 Yep. It is in the 11th slot. Okay. It might just it's, happen yet. And it's like, it's not a big bridge between... It's not a big gap. Nine, 11 and 10. And 9 and 11, to be to be quite honest. So, like... Yeah. And Could again, I, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I never once did a hot take saying this is going to happen. I I will be the first to admit. It was more just I said I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, you know. You're a big advocate the, for it. It's it's the perfect storm of Tom Cruise the last movie star. It's a, a sequel to an iconic film just number 1, but also an iconic film that's had 30 years to breathe and just also as we reviewed it and watched it, it was done well, so it's not like other iconic franchises where you scratch your head at a sequel and go, well that had the same name but beyond there the 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 value or the 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 production of it wasn't that good so i think all those things going with for it and being like in a post-pandemic movie theater experience setting like yeah it was just i i thought hey if this happens i wouldn't be shocked that's fair Mm. that's fair well it may happen as someone who was hard on the movie the first time and now has seen it a total of three times and has grown to love it Seeing it climb and climb and climb is just very validating. Sure, sure. Well, and I I sung praises of it the first. Like you I'm did. not an I anti-Top was... Gun Maverick guy. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Like we reviewed the original back in like 2020, and you <sighs> yeah, you kind of just was. did it because you were contractually obligated to. Yeah, and and enjoyed it. Yes, but I you didn't you never in. I think you described it as if it weren't for the podcast, like that wouldn't have you wouldn't it wouldn't have happened, right? Because you just would have it that wouldn't wasn't have happened. Your jam. No, it wasn't your jam. But I went into Top Gun Maverick with high hopes, high expectations, high excitement. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and seldom do you go into a movie with high hopes mm-hmm. or high expectations and then have them exceeded. 
I think the biggest 180 I'm happy about is in one of your movie news sequences, probably like six months ago, maybe even longer. I don't even know. Um, you dropped the tidbit of, hey, this Top Gun Maverick has more film footage than the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. And to which I went, like, I, I think I laughed at first and I said, that's awesome. And you said, why? Like, why? That's not awesome. And I said, let's just wait and see what happens. Like, if we've got a production value that is just incredible, even if the film sucks, let's just see, let's just see visually what they do. And they, they, they surprised us both. They did. Oh, it's still an asinine amount of footage. Like it, it's still, there's, there's no two it, ways about that. Is but. it worth it though? Is it, was it worth it? I I can't I, think of a reason to say no. I I just can't. But both, I'm, both I'm financially glad they did it. Yeah, both financially with how it's resulted, I would say it's worth it. But also just if that's the cost of doing business to get a good film that's that visually epic, then absolutely it was worth it. That's fair. Um, James Cameron. Hmm. So Avatar 2 is in yes. our crosshairs. Sure. Uh, and as such, the first Avatar has been re-released in 3D, all remastered, all beautiful, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so yep. we're starting to buzz. We're, you know, Hollywood is starting to talk about Avatar 2. They're starting their, like, press, press junket, press run thing for it. Uh, and James mm. Cameron was doing an interview... Um, and it came up that when James Cameron was making the first Avatar, <laughs> the studio tried to give him notes about Avatar. To which James Cameron responded, are you kidding me? I made Titanic and paid for this building. Right. Which is... You know, love or hate the guy, just such right. a badass response. Are you? Ke this studio is here and is as successful as it is because mm. I made Titanic. Right. Go screw yourself. You're not going to give me notes. You're not going to tell me what to do. Right. I would imagine nobody tried to give him notes for Avatar 2. Yeah. Or doubted him. Yeah. Right? When you are behind the highest grossing film, the biggest blockbuster success of all time mm -hmm. there's you know you don't you don't backseat driver that guy right right so i guess i guess the thing i would say is yeah like i feel like you don't push push around that guy you know you don't tuck on superman's cape so to speak but on the other hand some checks and balances are good too right i mean I like the prequels of Star Wars. I like aspects of the newer, the newer, um, the newer Star Wars films. But you know, I, some people critique and say, "Hey, maybe when George Lucas had less free range and he had some confines, maybe that was a better product." I'm not necessarily saying that's the case, but I'm just saying sometimes a check and a balance can be good versus you're you're God and you can do what you want, right? Like sometimes having yeah. someone say no or saying, "Hey, you know." Maybe this, maybe Jar Jar Banks isn't a good idea. Is is useful? Yeah, but that's that's George Lucas, and and this is Jay, like I know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just. It's never been it. profitable. It has yet to be profitable 
to bet against James Cameron. Sure. You know, that's all I'm saying. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. So, uh, final piece of news. Pinocchio, the newest Disney live-action remake, you would be hard-pressed to find a positive review online for Pinocchio. Hot gravy. And it is hot gravy because we're going to review it next week. So, like, we can weigh in, and we will weigh in. Mm -hmm. And we'll tell you what we think. Mm -hmm. But it's not looking great i'd see if i can pull up the the uh the rotten tomatoes yeah 28 percent. 28 percent and an audience score of 32 huh like that is certified rotten right there <laughs> oh my hmm. which is crazy to me because any of the trailers i've watched uh, they got me excited mm-hmm does it look good to you? Like, what do you... I mean, Tom Hanks is in it, so that's appealing, but I don't know. I'm not a huge Pinocchio guy. I grew up with the cartoon, so I guess I'm very open to it, so I won't be hurt by it. You know, I, I yeah. don't have anything riding on it, and I'm more just genuinely curious. I didn't grow up with the cartoon. I grew up with a different cartoon of Pinocchio. Oh, Like, okay. not the Disney one. Hmm. And I don't know... I'll have to do some digging. I don't know what the hell it was. Huh. It wasn't the 1941. Huh. Yeah. Huh. And then obviously the 90s one with JTT in it. JTT? Yeah. J. Who's that? Look it up right now. Do you have Google in front of you? I can. Justin. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, okay, yes. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be home for Christmas, home improvement. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. I thought, of I thought, I thought that was Justin Taylor Timberlake. My bad. Yeah, no. Close. <laughs> Voice of Simba. Yeah. Little kid Simba from the original Lion King. Yeah. Oh, also, I will say this. Uh, we had D23 a couple weeks ago. Uh, mm. The big Disney thing where they say all the things and tell us all the stuff. And it was horrible. Oh. It was a huge miss on their part. Huh. Uh, but one of the things that came out is that we are getting another film in the, not it's not live action, but in the realistic CG animation Lion King universe. Oh, interesting. And it is a prequel simply titled Mufasa. Interesting. So, uh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the type of thing that we need. Mm hmm But I'm not not excited for it. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, sir. What did you watch this week? Well, I actually forgot to tell you this, so I'm going to hijack the show again, and I'm going to take a couple minutes leading into what I watched, because it makes sense to do it here. Uh, I'm going to take five minutes to talk about Speed. And by that, what? I mean the, f the film, not the, the... Never mind. Are you still doing drugs? 
<laughs> no, Speed came close. Well, not close to winning. It came second place, but like we said, it got trounced. But it was the next closest to winning, and I was genuinely curious about rewatching it and checking it out because I don't think I'd seen it in full. So I'm going to talk about 1994 Speed. Um, it was a suggestion of friend of the show Andrew, who when he voted for it, he said after 28 years, the movie that still makes him nervous when stepping on a l- elevator. Uh, but still surprising, okay, with taking public transit like a bus. And uh, that is very courageous because, uh, yeah, this movie dumps on both of those ways of getting around for sure. At least their safety. Uh, but yeah, if the, for those who haven't seen it, it's a 1994 film starring Keanu Reeves, friend of Brady's Jeff Daniels, and uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, younger versions of all three, obviously. So Keanu and Jeff play uh uh la cops that are in like a special subdivision that deal with you know bomb detachments and hostage situations and saving people under high 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 pressure situations and uh you know jeff daniels is kind of like the older gun and keanu is the you know the young the young good looking buck and um they they get into a situation where there's a bomb stretched strapped to a bus with people on it and keanu tries to save the day and you know there's certain things, you know, they have to keep the bus running or else it's going to explode and they have to do this or it's going to explode. So it's it's your it's your 90s action flick. Um, as far as bad, you know, there's something that I'm noticing in some 90s action movies that it's kind of a carrying over trend. That, like, there's a main conflict that drives most of the narrative for the film and then it gets resolved and then there's, like, this secondary conflict that then also has, like, it's like a second climax... And so I'm just noticing, I don't know if it's just a trend of all 90s movies and I'm just noticing it now, or it's just, I've seen it in like two lies and speed. So if it's just recency bias, but, um, it it just, you just kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, I thought this story was wrapping up and then you realize it's actually continuing and you're, you're kind of wondering like, okay, I'm not sure if it really needed to continue. I'm not as anxious and into it as, as I was a few minutes ago, but, uh, you know, it's got its 90s moments, some physics-defying train crashes, some physics-defying moments, but it's a 90s movie, and I love the 90s settings. And Keanu had a really good chemistry with with all his, like, co-megastars. Like, he had a good chemistry with Sandra Bullock, had a good chemistry with Jeff Daniels, and so I really actually enjoyed that. I really, I really did. My only question, whether it's to you, whether it's to Andrew... Or whether it's just to the the listener who who might know this, who are Speed fans. But apparently there is a sequel. And it's called Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah, it takes place on a boat. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't necessarily want to watch it because... Uh, jumping back to speed one i gave it a five out of ten you know it's right in the middle wasn't amazing wasn't bad it was just kind of a fun fun flick to watch so i gave it a five out of ten i'm not sure if speed two looks as good and yeah i haven't the thing seen the second one yeah the thing that's genuinely curious is it's got one carryover sadly no keanu or else i would be flipping that on as soon as we're done talking but it's got yeah. sandra bullock but eyebrow raisingly it's got Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. So, I mean, I oh. I just want to hear if anyone's listening, anyone, reach out to the show, comment, DM us. Like, it, have you seen it? Way in. I'm just genuinely curious. So, Speed uh, was a Patreon, and, uh, Patreon suggestion, and it almost won. So, I felt like it was worthy just to give a few minutes and uh, 
Definitely a fun a fun view. Uh, I assume Carl has seen Speed Two. Oh yeah, Carl should weigh in if he's yeah. I'm sure, sure he's got it tattooed to his bicep, as they say. That is up his alley. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as far as then just the regular what I watched, uh, I'm just going to go through my list that I had been building up the last few months. So in no specific order, I continued my my Tom Cruise journey. Uh, where I'm just re-watching films of his because I'm on a kicker of Tom Cruise. I watched 1988's Cocktail, and it was really bad. I gave it a 4 out of 10. I I think just because Tom Cruise is in it, I maybe gave it a bit higher. Maybe it should have been a 3, but uh, it was it was pretty lame. It's got the Beach Boys, you know, Kokomo song in it that's got the iconic, you know, Tom Cruise making fancy drinks and flipping things. But it was really, really flat a lot of forced narrative, a lot of forced storyline, a lot of forced drama between characters, a lot of forced yelling in the climax where like emotionally it was just really weird and I just didn't buy a lot of a lot of the tension that was going on. And when things happened emotionally, like when things happened to characters, I, I just really wasn't buying it. So it wasn't wasn't iconic or at least didn't didn't age well. So I gave that a four out of ten. And I was going on a bender of bad movies because I gave something else a 4 out of 10. I felt like a mid-2000s M. Night Shyamalan occurrence. So I watched The Happening. Definitely not his greatest movie. You know, M. Night Night Shyamalan has done some cool things in cinema. And he's got some talent. He's got a skill set. Um, you know, he's, he, I feel like he kind of brought back the whole twist narrative in filmmaking, but the, the happening wasn't there for me. Mark Wahlberg's performance was a little comical at times. And so I I gave it a four out of 10 and it was, it was what it was. Um, I watched a mini series on Netflix called keep breathing. And it's about this, this woman who flies in the, the Northern, uh, uh, terrain of Canada of all places. And then her plane crashes and she's uh, left to kind of survive and seek refuge and try and try and escape. And just I, I, the thing that drew me in, it was one of those shows that on Netflix, it plays a one minute trailer when you're scrolling by. And the trailer was this narrative like this between two characters discussing. And I was just drawn in by it. Like it was captivating. It, it, I was sucked in. I was on the edge of my sheet, uh, edge, edge of my seat. And so I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I got to watch this series. And I I just ended up being a little disappointed by it. It was one of those series that was more based on internal conflict, internal drama, internal narrative, internal things. And I felt, I think I was just expecting a bit more of a wilderness show that was going to be about external things happening. So, you know, if you're in the woods, fires, rain, bears, um, and not to say those things can't happen or didn't happen, but I just thought they would be more driving the narrative. So sometimes I, I felt like it was just getting a little bit stale, a little bit uh, stagnant. And I feel like if more of those external things had pushed our character, pushed our story along, it would have just been a bit more interesting. So it was a five. Wasn't horrible. Definitely had some good moments, some good emotional tension. But uh, I would have changed a couple things. The last thing, but by by no means is it last in in rankings. I rewatched Casino Royale 2006 Daniel Craig. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. Okay. What did you think I was going to say? Oh, no, the Peter Sellers oh one from the 60s. Good so good. Lord. Oh, I, I didn't like it as much as you. I really didn't. Like, like not at all. 
But uh, Casino Royale, it is still, when I watched it and reviewed it, in my top 10 of films. I I gave this the full, the full nine yards. When we reviewed Lord of the Rings, if the listener hasn't done so, check those episodes out. Like, I set up the basement. I put curtains on, like, I taped blankets on the windows to darken the room and get proper lighting. And, like, I, I went full nine yards with Lord of the Rings. I did the same thing with Casino Royale. Like, I didn't watch half of it and then go play, you know, ping pong with a friend. Like, I watched this movie from beginning to end. Perfect setting, perfect TV. You know, like, everything was perfect. Just because I had to know, did this movie hold up? And I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's not perfect. There's a couple action sequences at the beginning that I, I think drag a little long. They they get a little... Uh, I am not as on the edge of my seat for. And they're not bad by any means, but they're just not perfect. And for a film to be perfect, obviously, you know, to get a 10 out of 10, it, it needs to have just a flawless, flawless feel to it. So, it's not perfect, but dang, is it so good. It's still my favorite James Bond, and it just is such a good film on its own, just not counting just James Bond films alone. And I, I love it. I love so much about it. I love Daniel Craig. I love the rebirth of the story. I think Vesper is the best Bond woman. I think Lashif is the best. That's why, that's why, that's the name of my cat. <laughs> yes. Which I love. Like, yeah. You, and you got her around the time we did James Bond, I believe. Uh, like a year and a bit ago. Yeah. Year and, I, like, I yeah. think it was right around then. So it really, I, I was touched by it. I was touched by it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like everything about Casino Royale is great. Every character is human. Um, the villains, the Bond girl, Bond himself. So we just get, oh, I could talk about it all day. I'm sorry. I will take five more seconds and then I swear I will stop. But you got, you've got like, you've got different things going on in the movie. It's not just a stupid, you know, Roger Moore hitting on women. You've got a mystery. You've got poker. You've got a love story. You've got just, you've just. Self-resuscitation. You got self-resuscitation. Like you've got Bond, not just being a goofy clown hitting on girls. Like he's just. He is a human being. You realize he's arrogant. You realize that he grows to love someone. You just get all these motivations and fears in the villain, in him, in Vesper, that you don't get in any other Bond film. And that is why it's just such a dynamite film. And just when it when there's emotional parts in that movie, it really resounds in me. And there's just moments that are just cool when he drives an Aston Martin that are just fun. The music is incredible. Again, top 10 film for me, so I will stop blabbering about it. I could all day. Not perfect, but dang, it's a 9 out of 10, and it is a strong 9 out of 10. What did you watch, Mr. Brady, Alejandro, Mitsubishi, Johannes? That was the longest extra five seconds to talk about <laughs> anything. <laughs> that I've ever uh, no you know Casino Royale is great it's definitely I can't remember my ranking but it's in my top three um, for Bond and it was Casino Royale Spectre and oh Skyfall no I liked Skyfall yeah, yeah. Casino Royale Skyfall and um, and No Time to Die were yes. my top three that sounds, that sounds um, and, to, just and to the point Skyfall you, said, you get that like that yeah. shootout at the manor like oh yeah. And to the point, like, Casino Royale wasn't your favorite, but you did say if you could only watch one, that would be it. And it feeds to the, the other, obviously, sequential stories that we see. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, you couldn't say for James Bond for the last 40 years, you know, like you could watch any of the Roger Moore ones out of sequence and not realize that you're watching them out of sequence. Just because they don't, uh, yeah. they don't, they don't emotionally build on each other. They just don't. No, that's true. That is true. Um, what did I watch? Uh, I didn't watch any movies in the last week. Um, okay. but okay. we've been binging hard on Stranger Things. Oh, and where are She Hulk and stuff like that. Um, so I am tonight. Like as soon as we finish this, I'm going to watch the third episode of season four. Oh, you've made some time. Yeah, listen, season three was amazing. Okay, so season one is great, right? Yes. Season one of Stranger Things is great. Season two is okay, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near good as season one. Agreed. I spent much of season three trying to figure out if I thought that season three was better than season one or not, and I think it is. Wow. I think I, it is. Um... I, I, too, am watching Stranger Things. I'm still on season three. I think I've come to the agnostic approach of Stranger Things, of, like, other than season one, there's no way we can determine which is the best season. Because you've said season three might be better than season one. I've had someone say season four is better than season one. And at first I say both you and this other person are out to lunch. But I'm at the point where, like, who can who can even know? I think Stranger so, Things, to me, is one of those things. It's like Star Wars, where, like, sure, you may have a slight preference, but it's, like, there's, yeah. there's golden nuggets in each phase in each season and some things are better sure. than others yeah i yeah i i guess because I, I, I used to say season, season three is amazing man i used to say season one was the best and i like i still do but the dynamic of this show is it has ebbs and flows so certain characters that were at different character arcs in season one like they're not very fleshed out as within yeah. season three and four they're 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 really important and really flushed out characters so it's just you know you realize ooh, in season one these guys were either just different or just kind of quite hollow compared to where they are in three or four and there's different examples yeah but sorry i'll let you continue um so season three i think is better than season one it's my favorite season so far two episodes into season four and the only thing i'll say is so far, I'm. I don't understand where the hype's coming from. Oh, interesting. So we're two episodes in, and yep. and both Brianna and I are like, we just don't mm. care. Mm. Like season three, we were like, let's yeah. watch another one. Let's watch another one. Let's watch another one. <laughs> and season four, we're two episodes in, and we're like, this is not oh. great. Interesting. So I uh, hopefully that'll turn around. Yeah. But yeah, so far. I so I far no say, good. I will say that was my feeling when I watched season four. Um and I think then I've since oh, then. Oh, you've seen I've season four. The, I've seen season four. I'm just rewatching one, two, three oh, now. Okay. Because oh, okay. and that's why I've developed this agnostic approach where I was really down on season four. I had some critiques with it, but now I'm at the point where I go, you know what? Season four is still Stranger Things. We get more different character moments and arcs and so there's no way to say what's better than season one there's elements that are better there are elements that are worse and who can who can say who can know that's fair okay listen before you wrap this up i want to say something sure something important okay 
change can be scary. Right. Like change in your pocket from like the laundromat. Yeah. You're like, what, what is this? 1996? Why do I have <laughs> coins in my pocket? Why do I have a debit card? Just tap my phone or my watch or scan my thumb or something. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. Change can be scary. And that's why nothing is changing. Hmm. Anyways, have a good night. No. Okay, listen. So, nothing's changing, but something is growing. This is weird. It sounds like I'm having a puberty talk with a my. Listen, son, we all go through changes. Some things will grow. Some things... Anyways. Um, friend of the show, Carl. Mm-hmm. Is everyone familiar with friend of the show, Carl? I am. Pete? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We reference him quite a bit. Um, and you know, you and I are having a lot of fun doing our rings of power episodes. I think I'm having a lot of fun doing them. Of course. And anytime that Carl is on the show for something nerdy, like something MCU or something star Wars, Carl and I just like go to town. We just have a heyday talking (laughs) full on nerd. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, Star Wars shows coming out. There's a lot of, like, MCU shows coming out. And you just don't have time yeah. to, like, you know, you got a busy life. You got, like, seven children and two jobs and all this stuff. Like, you can't, you don't have time to sit and watch all of this stuff all the time. You know? Absolutely. So... Would it be crazy? How crazy would it be if Carl, mm-hmm. friend of the show, mm. sometimes sometimes guest of the show, mm. joined the show in a larger capacity and anytime that there's an MCU show or a star wars show or even a new release that is like um mcu related or comic book related or stuff like that carl was on the show hmm seems logical to me so that would mean like that would mean like weekly episodes in addition to our regular sunday episodes weekly episodes where myself and Carl, new movie man Carl, <laughs> yeah, in theory, MMC reviewed re- reviewed that week's episode of the show or said show, like possibly more than one show, depending on you know there could be a Star Wars and an MCU show going at the same time. Who knows? Yeah, and no- and nothing about the regular show changes. There's just a lot more, like twice as much, if not sometimes more content. Right. How crazy would that be? So crazy, I don't even know if it's possible. Yeah. Well, the first episode of Andor with Carl and I comes out in like three days. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it is so possible. So wrap your head around that. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, that's the plan. We are growing the show. Um, and not just a little bit. We're growing the show quite a bit. Like I said, like a 100% growth. Um, non-cancer, so don't worry. Uh, mm. but 
Yeah, so nothing... If, listen, if you love the regular Pete and I talking every week, um, currently twice a week, you know, with our movies and our, our rings of power, um, then have no fear. Because that's not going away. Our votes will be the same. Everything is going to be the same. We're just going to bring Carl in, and he's going to help me out with some weekly TV show reviews as well. So... Yeah. Buckle in, quit your job because there's you're gonna have to listen to a lot more content. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're excited about this. Um, it's a little bit of a leap for us. It's required, you know, getting our hands on some more equipment and um, doing some scheduling stuff structurally and you know and stuff like that. But we're excited about it. We think it's it's an exciting thing to have happen. Um, yeah, and, and we can't wait for it to start. So hopefully that's something you like as well. Cause if it's not, it doesn't matter. We're doing it. So yeah. Yeah. Tell your All right, sir, wrap might, up the show. Tell your friends who like it. If you don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you. Like, follow, subscribe. All our socials are below. Check out our Patreon page, merchandise page. Uh, reach out to us. We love hearing from you. A like and a comment on the episode page or a direct message. There's new on, merch, by the direct, way. New wicked merch. There's new, new merch. merch. Check that out. Check out the teddy bear. I want someone to buy the teddy bear. Um, and uh, leave it. send us a direct message on Facebook. That's always an option, and we always love hearing from you. Um, and until we chat, um, how about you cuddle up to a good book? I, I will. I've been thinking about reading Lord of the Rings. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice quick, quick and, read. And, uh, yeah. And I'm on, I'm on the hunt for a copy of the Silmarillion. Mm, after we talked and said that word about 12 times during our fellowship episode, then all my ads on like my phone were popping up for like here's a good copy of the Cimmerillion and I'm like oh my goodness you've been listening yeah so now you own three of them <laughs> yeah.